Welcome to Tyler2040, and thank you for joining me on my journey to learn all the things I'll need to know for my 2040 presidential campaign. This interview is one of the first conversations I wanted to have when Tyler2040 was first conceived. In 2013, my hometown of Keysville, New York, ceased to exist. The village had voted to dissolve into the two surrounding towns of Osable and Chesterfield. At the time, this was the craziest thing I had ever heard. Looking back, it's sort of like the UK voting to leave the EU. The man I'm talking to today was the mayor of Keysville when the village made that fateful decision. Keysville is a village in northeastern New York State. Its population is about 1,800. The former village, now Hamlet, has a pretty high poverty rate and very low demographic diversity. My guest is Dale Holderman who was elected mayor of Keysville in 2012. Dale was the last mayor of Keysville and was tasked with preparing the village for dissolution shortly after his election. Join me now and listen to Dale's tale of the dissolution of Keysville. It started out with the governor and they were uh, advertising a $50,000 grant mm -hmm. uh, to study consolidating government. Oh, now, was this Cuomo? Yes. Okay. And, of course, when there's... Uh, the way they advertise it, it doesn't really... They don't tell the whole story. Okay. So, if you accept the grant, that starts the process of a petition. And right. you have to get... Of course, so many, I can't remember what the percentage was. It was 10% or something. It wasn't, no, it wasn't very much. I can't remember exactly what it, what the percentage was. But when you accept the grant, then you uh, have to study this, you know, what happens if you dissolve. And it starts a timetable, and you have a certain amount of time to finish this study. Okay. And, and then in the meantime, while you're doing that, someone can petition to actually have a vote to dissolve. I think, to be honest with you, I think that the time period for those folks that wanted to dissolve the village was was perfect. Uh, we had a, um, a feeling, and I don't think it's just in this area, but throughout the country, that government was too big. And was, right, that was right around when the, the Tea Party was hitting its strongest point. You betcha. So anyway, we um, after I became mayor, and I walked into kind of the, into the first 25 percent of this of this ongoing study. But that's when we received the petition to actually go to a vote. That really starts the timetable going because you have to finish the study within a certain amount of time. I can't remember if it was 180 days or or what that was, but it starts a timetable right in law. So you have to finish the study then, and then have public hearings and discuss what will happen from the study. I think we had to have at least two, two public hearings and then, then a vote. And then we did all of that, and then there was one chance uh, to have a, a re-vote on that. As after, after the vote, there was another chance to have a re-vote if, if certain things happened and Mm -hmm. I just can't remember what those were, but we did we did have a second vote on it, and it lost by just a few votes. 
the second time around. Okay. And this was a, a referendum for the village? Right. Okay. Now, was it a good thing or was it a bad thing? Well, in my opinion, it was very bad. Why is that? Because you you give up, in the case of the village, you give up local control of your services. Uh, mm. We have uh, water, sewer, and, and garbage that were the three main services that the village did. And it's a huge picture that you have to look at. It's just not one or two things. The village was considered, as far as the federal and state grant programs, was, this was considered low income. Mm-hmm. So when you applied for grants, you were actually moved up higher on the receiving end. You got extra points. Right. Okay. The second thing is, is that if you were smart enough, like the sewer system, I'll give you an example. The sewer system, when I took over, my first day as mayor, I opened up my drawer, and here's a letter from DEC that they're fining us $36,700 per day for the violations at the sewer plant. Hmm. So the first thing I did is got on the phone and started calling the trustees and going, what in the hell is that? <laughs> yeah, it's a tough first letter to get. Right. And none of the trustees knew anything about it. So what happened was that the past mayor took that and put it in her drawer. Hmm. So I didn't know, you know, where I went with this thing. So I called DEC and I arranged a meeting. But in the meantime, I knew there were some problems down there. And so I pulled, I got all the reports from the operator to see where we sat. And then at our first meeting with the board of trustees, I I contacted the company that designed the plant, who was AES engineering firm, and I contacted them, and I happened to know the engineer that was the chief the chief engineer on it, it was Wayne Ryan, who he sat down with me, and uh, I arranged a meeting with DEC, and uh, arranged to have Wayne go with me. And uh, we, between then, we, we had gone over all of the problems that were listed by DEC and, and, you know, we had our, kind of our ducks in order when we went over there. And uh, so when we went into the meeting, there were five attorneys from New York State and the head of the DEC. And they, we sat down and, and uh, I said, well, we came over here to figure out what the hell's going on. And they started giving me, I mean, they started really browbeating me. And this was just a couple weeks into your term? Yeah, this was like two weeks into my term. They started, you know, telling me that they were fining us $36,700 per day, blah, 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 blah. And, you know, and I looked at them and I said, okay, well, $36,000 a day. Let me me do some quick calculations. So I, I sat there and I... I just kind of did it in my head, and I said, well, in about 10 days, why don't you come over and run the fucking village, because we're out of general fund. <laughs> yeah, that, and, I'll pretty and, much stop it. And they kind of looked at me, and I, and, I, and I kind of, I stood up from my chair, and I looked at each one of them right in the eyeballs, and I said, listen, I said, I just drove an hour and a half over here to have the meeting with you people. I said, I came over here to help solve some problems that we have and to get your help to do it. I said, for you guys to sit here for 10 minutes and tell me what an asshole I am after I just got into office two weeks ago, I said, it's bullshit. And I said, 
when you guys want to sit down and figure out how we're going to solve these problems, you let me know. And I walked out the door. Hmm. How'd that <laughs> so, go? Uh, well, Wayne came after me and, and he said, you can't do that. And I said, well, I just did. <laughs> he goes, I said, my blood pressure right now is about, you know, 100 over 200 or whatever. And, and, and he said, well, he says, we do have to, we have to go back in and talk to him. And I said, well, I need to walk around the parking lot for a while. So I did. It took about five minutes. And I said, okay, I'm, I'm ready. I'll go back in with you. And then I just reiterated the same thing. I said, we can work together on this. I said, because I can guarantee you, I said that a state agency that's trying to find the taxpayers of another agency, I said, that doesn't work in my book. I said, that's bullshit. I said, you're using tax, you're taking tax money away from other people that are paying the same taxes. Mm -hmm. Now, you know, I said, let's, let's get serious here. I said, there are problems there. I said, we can work together and, and resolve this. And I said, so that it makes you happy, makes us happy. I said, you know, or, or don't waste my time. It's as simple as that. I said, I brought an engineer with me. I said, we sat down, we have preliminary stuff that we have to do. And I said, we can work together or, you know, don't bother with us. And so, they changed their tune a whole bunch. The attorneys kind of backed out of it, and the uh, lady that was in charge of DEC and Raybrook said that, okay, then we'll sit down, and we'll come up with a plan, and we'll work through this. And that's exactly why I went over there, was hmm. to get that. That's, you know, that that's one of the things with government that, you know, I mean, you get surprises. Yeah. Big surprises. And then the same thing happened at the water plant, believe, believe it or not, is that the water plant was built and designed by a company that was an engineering company out of Delaware, and it was never designed correctly. Some of the equipment in there was undersized for the job, so it didn't meet DEC requirements, it didn't meet EPA requirements, and Department of Health requirements. That might explain why... I remember so often there were issues with water. So, and the problem with the village uh, being the size of it is that your elected officials uh, come from within that in Keysville with, you know, 1,800 people. Mm -hmm. You have to fill them, you know, you have to fill those positions with those people that are within that group of 1,800, which mm -hmm. probably, you know, when you disallow the, People that can't be in office, you probably only have four or five hundred people to choose from, because all the rest of them either underage or you know, or or can't run. Right. Uh, so you have a very small selection of people. So I, I don't want to sound bad, but the intellect level is not as high as it should be. When you have a small pool, you you have to deal with what you have. You know, I'm not. I I, I don't want to disparage anybody. You know, because they don't have the knowledge. Because I didn't have any knowledge uh, to run for mayor. I mean, I, I had I had knowledge of, of common sense and and experience working through problems. That's what I had, you know, experience in. And I was, you know, I was in my own business for several years, mm -hmm. so I knew how to do that. So I didn't I didn't treat the village any different than I did the rest of it. Anyway, with uh, with water and sewer, we sat down and, and you know, I, I explained to the, the trustees exactly what happened. Now, in, in the village government, the and it's the same with town, by the way, okay. administration of the employees and town offices, and, and that rests with the either the town supervisor or, in the case of the village, the mayor, okay? Mm -hmm. 
So administration of personnel and uh, properties is that's the mayor's job. The trustees, on the other hand, are in charge of finances, and they're in charge of actually having the responsibility of manage of the properties. So they decide what to buy, what to sell, what to, mm-hmm. you know, you're going to take care of things. Yeah, they have the, the purse strings, kind of. Right, right. And so the first thing that I did, which I attended a whole lot of meetings before I even ran for mayor, just to see how things operated. And what I came away from all of those meetings was that the past mayor really told the board what they were going to do. And that, to me, was not democracy. Democracy is, you know, to me is that, you know, they hold the purse strings. You can guide them in a direction, but they hold the purse strings. They should know as much as I do. So my first meetings with them, oh, my, it was pretty bad because they wanted their other mayor in there, uh, you know, the one that I beat. Were they just looking to uh, kind of be told what to do? Exactly. My first meeting with them was not, not really good. They wanted to cut the mayor's salary in half, which would have been all right with me, but they were trying to do it in a backdoor way. I literally had to contact New York State and because uh, and threaten lawsuit because if they advertise a particular job at a certain rate and then they right. try to change it before that person takes office, that's illegal. And so the first meeting was pretty bad. Not, not a great foot to start off on. Right. So I explained the situation and of course the trustees tried to walk on top of me with the employees of the village and I had this to and and that was contentious for about six months is that you guys don't talk to the employees directly I talk to the employees if you have a problem with a particular thing you come to me and I handle that that's my job you know and so they didn't get that they they just thought that you know each trustee could go to any employee they wanted and tell them what to do and how to do it and you know, and they didn't get the idea that there was a chain of command. Right. There wasn't a clear uh, right. set of roles. Right. And that was that was one thing. And then the second thing was I walked in, the village had uh, was $93,000 in debt in just the general fund, which was about one third of, of the fund. Oh. You know, the, the general fund, I think, will only raise just a little over $300,000. And when you are uh, $93,000 in the hole, you're in bad shape. Yeah. So I think it was my third day as mayor is when I found that out. Because on the second day, I told the the treasurer, I said, I need to see where we stand financially. And don't try to bounce me around computer programs and all this other crap. I want to see the bottom line. You know, I want to see exactly where we are. Because the village had uh, three different funds. It had a sewer fund, a water fund, a general fund, okay? Mm-hmm. And the water and the sewer were supposed to be separate entities because only the users pay for those systems. The rest of the residents do not pay for those systems. Okay. Um, so they have to be separate businesses, you know, and then the general fund is one, okay? And so... The water seemed to be the one that was carrying the weight of things. The general fund would uh, borrow money from the water fund, and they, they did quite a bit of uh, creative bookkeeping. How's that? Okay. okay. And, 
And so what I said to begin with was I looked at it and I asked the treasurer and I said, uh, how can the water fund uh, be loaning money to the general fund when there's no interest being paid? And I don't see anywhere in any uh, of the uh, board minutes that allow this to happen. Her answer was, well, we've been doing it for years. I said, I don't care. It's illegal. <laughs> I said, you can't do that. I said, there has to be, if, if these are people that are paying for that water system, I said, those are not just residents of the village. These are residents of the town. They're residents of water districts. Mm -hmm. I said, you know, they're outside the village. I said, you can't borrow money from there. Even if it's a nominal interest rate, it still has to be paid as an interest rate. So I started, I, oh man, that, that stirred up a hornet's nest. So, so the third day in office, I had told Lynn, after I did find out that the general fund was that far in the hole, I told her I wanted to meet with the head of every department the next morning at 8 o'clock. So they were all there at 8 o'clock, and I said, okay, this is the way it is. I said, I just took over, and I said, you can do all the bitching that you want. I really don't care. I said, but... I earned this position, I'm in this position, and you got to deal with me until the next election. I said, so, this is the way it is. If my signature is not on a purchase order, you're not going to buy anything, or you have to pay for it. Hmm. I said, because I'm not going to authorize the payment on an account. So, this is where we start. I said, we're $93,000 in the hole, and we're going to fix this. So, that started it. It took a lot of effort on my part to make sure, you know, if they requested something, I went right to that department and I said, you show me the need. And it wasn't that I wasn't going to give them what they needed. Okay. I just wanted to see what the need was. So right, trying to get a, a handle on, on, on why the expenses were kind of out of control. You betcha. And, and what I found is that there was an awful lot of things that kind of just disappeared. Mm. There's no accounting for anything. Like if they needed um, a spray can of lubricant, for instance, they'd buy a case and then 11 cans would disappear. Mm. So that was the way government, and, and just not on the village scale, but a town scale, a county scale, a state scale, and a federal scale. That's the way it worked. Things just disappeared. Mm -hmm. And the taxpayers put the bill. So what I did... Um, is just kept an eye on that stuff. I got the trustees involved in the budget process, and I made them work, really. I didn't want them coming in, into a meeting and me having to explain everything that they should be doing. For instance, when it came time to do the budget for the next year, that was one of the things that I started within six months of taking office is getting ready for, for the next budget year. So what I said is that, okay, here's our Here's all our departments. Here's our, you know, the, the way that we're going to do this. And I said, uh, each week that we have a, a board meeting, we're going to have an hour before that. We're going to have a, a detailed budget meeting, and we're going to take each department, and we're going to tear it apart, and we're going to figure out exactly how much it costs to operate these. And I said, I have about six months' worth of background information, plus we went back three years and got the average of what each department cost to run. And I said, these are the starting figures. And I said, I want you guys up to speed. I said, you're in charge of this money. And I want each one of you to know how it's being spent, where it's being spent, and how much is being spent. Mm -hmm. and 
So that was an eye-opening experience for them. They were just never used to being able to sit down and, and discuss exactly where everything went. And that budget took us about five months to complete. And these guys learned so much that it was just... And after that time period, I had people coming to me, the, the board members coming to me, and saying, we just didn't know it was this involved, and, and you know, thank you for opening their eyes. And I said, you know, this is... <laughs> This is your job, you know. I said, we've had arguments over the administration of the building and you guys telling, you know, workers what to do and, and going beyond me. And I said, that, <clears throat> I said, that's my job. I said, now you know what your job is. I said, if you don't want me to spend money on something, don't give it to me. <laughs> you know, that's the way it is. You're in charge of it. I'm not in charge of it. You know, I'm going to tell you what I need as from an administration point of view. I said, and if you decide not to give it to me, well, we move on to something else. It was an eye-opening experience. The disillusion of the village was a repercussion of, this is what I believe, years and years and years of mismanagement of people, it's not what you do, it's who you know type mm -hmm. thing, discrimination of village residents, not treating everybody equally, I'll put it that way. I think there was a lot of animosity, and, and that caused the vote to go the way it did. I tried to tell people that the village government, number one, is that most of all village law superseded state law. Okay, There's a whole set of, of laws that are just pertain to villages, and before the state became the state, those village laws were there. Village, villages have a whole lot more rights, I guess you would say. Right. You can set things like uh, curfews and such. Right. And as far as dealing with the state like uh, DEC, for instance, I could tell them to go pound salt and not have any problem with the law because that's the way the village law is written. It, it supersedes. Anyway, uh, one good reason is the bigger the government gets, the more expensive it gets to operate. You know, right now you have employees that are making twenty-five dollars to $30,000 per year, and they're good at their jobs. You know, I, I spent a lot of time with each department working with them because I never, one of my um, things that I've always run my life by, I will not ask anybody to do something that I haven't done myself. And so I spent a lot of time with these employees, and they were, you know, I mean, with a few exceptions, they were very good at their job. So I tried to explain to them that, you know, the, this is the, the village is very economical if you have the right people running it. You just have to pick the right people to put in that office. I said, your water rates, your sewer rates, I said, right now, you know, we've developed over the last year that I was there, we've developed a one, a three, a five, and a ten-year plan for each each department for the water and for the sewer end. I said, we we hope to be able to come into compliance with New York State uh, because we've done these plans. I said, we will, you know, we're not, I'm not going to go to the taxpayers and ask for more money to do this. We're going to live within our budget and we're going to put away ahead of time. So, yeah, like you're supposed to. Yeah. Uh, so, I mean, you know, I, I give you, I, you, I tell the people, you know, I'll give you an example. You know, you're going to have to replace your roof in two years, you know. Are you going to save up for doing that or are you going to go get a loan to do it? I said, in, in my 
way of thinking. If I go and get a loan to do a half a million dollar upgrade to the water plant, you guys are going to pay all the interest on it. And why? If I can take a little bit of money each month from, you know, from the, from the budget and put it away, then when we get up time to doing it, we have the money to do it. Right. And we have to go get a loan. And I said the same thing with a, we, I know we're going to need a snowplow in three years. I said, we start putting money away now. We put away 33000 or whatever it is per year. A new, a new snow truck right now is about $100,000. When it comes time to do the dealing on it, we have cash money, which means the taxpayer is going to save. You're not going to pay interest on it. I said, that's the way you got to do the business, you know, because that way your taxes are going to stay lower. So after the first year of putting, implementing all these changes, which didn't really go over real well, mm -hmm. um, we ended up with a $30,000 surplus. So we, play, we paid our $93,000 mm -hmm. off, and we ended up with a $30,000 surplus at the end of the year. Nice. And the first thing that the trustees wanted to do was to, to lower the tax rate. And I said to them, I said, no. I said, that's not what we need to do. What we need to do is that you see that we actually came back by about $123,000. I said, the things that need to be done in the village, I said, that have been being put off for 25 years, now you have $123,000, literally, if you have the same budget with no decrease in taxes, but no increase in taxes, people are used to paying this amount of money, leave it there. Mm -hmm. You know, right. Get everything done that still needs to be you, done. I said, you know, you have you have people bitching that the park, you know, your your recreation park is 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 not up to stuff. I said, let's put some money toward that in the new budget. You know, and we have roads that we need to get paid. Let's put a little bit of money toward that. You know, there's improvements that we need to make. We'll put a little money toward that. I said, let's use the money wisely. You know, figure out the projects that you want to get done and let's let's use the money that's coming in to do that and just leave the tax rate alone and just let people see the changes that can happen if everything is run correctly. So they agreed with me and, and, and that's what we did. We did a whole bunch of upgrades to JC Park, uh, Pepsi Grant uh, to do some upgrades and, and we got a funding from the recreational departments. You know, I mean, we did about $200,000 worth of improvements and it really only cost the village taxpayers about $50,000. Hmm. And, and we got a lot of help from Fuller Excavations and, you know, some of the other, they, they donated their time. So wow. that was really nice. And, I mean, we, we acknowledged those people that did that. Trying to explain to these people that the bigger that you get, the worse off you're going to get. Your water rates are going to increase. And I had Jerry Morrow on one side. Um, at, He's the town of Chesterfield? Right, town of Chesterfield, telling people to dissolve the village because he never liked dealing with the village. And how cheaper it's going to be for them in taxes and how cheaper it's going to be for uh, water usage because the town of Chesterfield was going to get the water plant. And... I'm sitting there just shaking my head going, this guy is feeding him a line of bullshit, you know, because it's never going to happen that way. He promised them that, you know, there wasn't going to be an increase in taxes, you know, if the village dissolved, because they were going to get, what happens is that instead of uh, them paying village tax, then all of that village tax is now going to become town tax. 
Right. And there was not going to be any increase. And I'm sitting there shaking my head going, oh, 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 oh. Is he filling them with a line of bullshit? Three years now into this, you know, that we've been dissolved, that's exactly what we see, is that water rates have tripled. Um, there was not, there was not a tax rate increase for the town of Chesterfield. There was actually a little bit of a decrease. But what they did is they did a backdoor approach, um, which was smart on juries. He didn't lie. Uh, what they did is they reassessed everybody's property. Uh-huh. So the tax rate actually went down, but you were paying, if you had a $100,000 house, now you were paying taxes on $110,000. Mm-hmm. So Jerry got his increase regardless. Right. And, and each and every year, I'm, I have him sitting here on my desk looking at these assessments from uh, Essex County. He's got the Essex County assessors doing the work now. But they've increased my building, uh, my two buildings here, by about a little over 100%. There definitely is politics involved. So anyway, they, that's uh, what we see as a result of the dissolution is not only that the taxpayers have less of a say of what's going on. The You have to picture it this way, is that you have uh, town council people that are sitting up there and the, the supervisor is saying, okay, now we got our water plant up here. Uh, that just takes care of this little hamlet of, of, of Keysville now and a couple of water districts. And uh, this is the work that I, we want to do in it. The town, uh, that's just one small part of a bigger picture. Mm-hmm. You know, one small hamlet uh, of, of Keysville as opposed to a bigger town area. So what he says to them is that, well, we're going to have to increase the water rates because we have to buy this or we have to do this or we have to do that. And the town council is like, well, we're only going to piss off a couple hundred people. What the hell? Go ahead. No problem. <laughs> right, right. Because uh, when uh, when you're dealing with uh, probably, I want to say 15,000-ish people in Essex, the 1,000 people in Keysville aren't really going to measure up in the whole grand scheme of things for accountability. You bet. You bet. So that's why we've seen what we have. And, then, and, and for some reason or other, Jerry has got this thing for the for the village that he's got to carry it on and on and on and on is that this is what the village left us. I have two files on my desk. This is a file for the town and this is a file for what the village did to us. Now when we dissolved, one of the things that I told the taxpayers ahead of time is that if if it comes down to dissolution, we're not going to transfer any debt. And that that was kind of my promise as you know to the people that elected me is that we're not going to transfer this debt onto the taxpayers in the town. So, or, or what happens is that there is a, uh, a surcharge on old village residences. Okay. It has to pay for that debt. Okay. So what we did is that we, I really trimmed the budget a lot and quit spending and, and we saved money and that $100,000 surplus helped and, uh, we just saved a lot of money. We just, you know, we cut back on, on things that we were going to do. And what we ended up doing is we, we had, I think, three bonds that the village had outstanding. But what we ended up doing was paying all of those bonds off. Okay. So that we actually had about pretty close to $300,000 to transfer to the towns. After the bonds were paid, then that $300,000 was split in half, and Chesterfield got half, Osable got half, mm-hmm. uh, and there was no debt transferred. So Jerry, 
keeps telling the taxpayers that the town of Chesterfield inherited six and a half million dollars in debt from us. Well, what they did was inherited the water plant. Okay, when the water plant was built, it was a six and a half million dollar project. Mm-hmm. It was eight years old. The bonds that they took out for the usage of it were being paid out of the water rates. Okay, it was always figured into the water rates, and the payoffs were on a on a uh, increasing scale. So in other words, the first year the payments were bond payment was about a hundred thousand dollars, and then it increased from there. Okay. In in the meantime, we got some grants to bring down that amount. When I took over, we only had three years of payments left. In other words, this year, the last payment was made on the water plant. What he inherited was, he inherited a $300,000 payment that were being brought out of the water rates. So he was, and essentially, he was flat out lying to them, which, you know, I mean, to me, is it, pretty underhanded and trying to tell people how bad the village was run. Well, you know, the way I look at it is that it was run according to what who the taxpayers got into office. So you only have to look at your government and say to me is that this is what you did. And that goes as far even as far as the federal government in the position that we're in right now. Yeah, that's kind of how democracy works. We did it. Mm-hmm. Or we didn't do it. How's that? I I take the blame for our generation, because I'm I'm sixty now. I take the blame of our generation having a blind eye to everything that has gone on in the last twenty five years. And we screwed up. We screwed up. We thought that everybody else we were too interested in in, in making money for ourselves so we could have that beautiful house and the two cars and the you know, and the kids that went to college. You know, we that's what that's what our lives entailed and whatever government did oh well. You know, there was a small percentage of people that were watching that end of it, but my generation, we didn't give a shit. You know, we were too busy with our own lives. And now it's up to your generation to fix our screw-up. I'm not going to disagree with you, <laughs> but uh, it's the today, task is mounting. Today I am going to, today I have, there's a Democratic caucus this this, this evening. I am going to try to get a, a position on the, on the town board. Um, Good luck. And that... The reason is, it may not be what you think it is. Um, the reason is to get more people involved in politics. Hmm. Um, it, it is also at the same time to try to push a progressive agenda that I think you can be physically responsible in government and at the same time you can, you can show people what the government can do for them, but they have to help too. And I want to instill in the younger generation, my kids' generation, or even the millennial generation, that you guys need to come out of the closet. Mm-hmm. You know, we've screwed this up, so we need your help to fix it. I'll take that as my call to action. I wish Dale the best of luck as he goes on to continue his political career engaging young people to take up the banner and fight for better governance. Dale's story tells us that municipal governments can be much more delicate than broader governance. The low population means each individual is much more powerful, for better or worse. While participating in your local government is important wherever you live, 
Being in a small town magnifies the consequences of every single decision, making it all the more important that the best and brightest are elected. I want to thank Dale for his candid storytelling. This meeting really opened my eyes to the pressures and responsibilities that local officials face regularly. If you know any former or active elected officials who might want to talk about their own experiences, please drop me a line on the Tyler2040 Facebook page. Thanks for tuning in.